The Bible reading this morning is from Acts chapter 28, verses 17 to the end of the chapter. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I had done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not not received any letters from Judea concerning you. And none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God, and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave him after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. From from this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes. And they have closed their. Oh, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have hardly closed. Their, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and talked about and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Good morning, everyone. My name's um, Jack. Welcome. Um, it's so great, isn't it, to be in our, our last chapter of Acts today, Acts chapter 28. Uh, and as we get into things, I've got a question for you. Uh, what is a time when you've been really surprised that someone listened? A time when you've been really surprised that someone listened. I remember about six years ago, uh, I was at a church, and one of the young adults there had been sharing who Jesus is with a colleague of his at work. Now, his colleague uh, had never been to church before. They didn't know much about Jesus either, so they were, they were a bit of a blank slate. Uh, and this young adult invited their work colleague to come along to church, and they said yes. Uh, so on a Sunday morning, he went up, he, he picked up his work colleague, drove them to church, but there's an important thing you need to know about this young adult. So he's a bit of a larrikin. Uh, he's a bit of a practical joker. So they rocked up to church, and when they got there, for this person who'd never been to church before, he locked all the doors in the car, and he turned and he looked at them right in the face, and he said with a blank face, he said this, when we get inside, okay, uh, people are going to stand around you, and they're going to give you a hug, because you're new, and then in the middle of the service as well, uh, you'll be asked to share your testimony, okay, and then we're going to baptize you, 
And then he, he unlocked the car doors and just walked straight inside the church. And his work colleague was there, uh, what do I do? And well done to him. He actually came inside. No one hugged him. If you're here for the first time at church, don't worry. You are completely safe. This is not going to happen to you. But he came into church and I, I was so surprised after I heard what had happened. But they listened. Three months later, they became a Christian. They came that next week. They came the week after, the week after, three months later, they gave their life to Christ. And I really, I shouldn't have been surprised that they would listen, even after this, this kind of horrible thing this person <laughs> had done to them, this prank they'd played. I shouldn't have been surprised, not when Paul's last words in the book of Acts this morning is that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. I mean, what a journey it's been through Acts, right? We, uh, we heard the command of Jesus to his followers in chapter 1, verse 8, when we started. Jesus said this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts, we've read about how Jesus' followers have been his witnesses from Jerusalem, and now this morning, all the way in Rome. I think there's a map that you can have a look at. And what's happened as the message has gone out, people have listened. And what a journey it's been for Paul as well. In far out, he's he's told people all over about Jesus and people have listened. They've listened. But it's not been the only response that we've seen, has it? There have also been people who have not listened, who've rejected Paul and his message. And Paul's been beaten, he's been, he's been mocked, he's been dragged out of a city. People tried to stone him to death, we read the other week. He's been thrown in prison, he's been shipwrecked. And now, finally, he's in Rome, finally for a nice sunny holiday. No, not for a holiday, he's in prison. In prison because the Jews, his own people, are seeking his death. It's been a hard road for Paul as well. And how does Paul feel about everything he's been through up to this point? Well, we're going to see three things this morning that stand out in this passage. For Paul, sharing the good news of Jesus is worth it. It's worth it. For Paul, the message of Jesus is a message for everyone to hear. And Paul says we can be confident that people will listen. Point one, it's worth it. In uh, in Rome... Under house arrest, we read in verses 17 to 20 that Paul calls all of the Jewish leaders together to his house and Paul says to them that he's been falsely accused of speaking out against the Jewish people and against God. The reason he's under house arrest is because he's been falsely accused. You know, Paul wants the Jews in Rome to know that he's been wrongly accused, as I said, that he hasn't turned against his own people, but rather that he wants them to be saved. Paul says in verse 20, it is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound in chains. Paul's been through the ringer while he's been a witness to Jesus. We've seen that. But it's been worth it. He's in chains for the hope of Israel. Now as we read through Acts, we find out what this hope is. And we've seen it throughout this year as we've come back to the book of Acts as well. A hope that On the day of the resurrection, when God holds everyone everywhere to account for how they've lived before him and rightly judges us because of sin, that those who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and follow him will be saved, will be welcomed into God's kingdom with Jesus as our king. As those 
who don't follow Jesus, who haven't trusted in him, will face God's judgment. Paul wants his Jewish audience here to understand the need for Jesus. For them to understand that he is the king that God has promised the Jews in the Old Testament was coming, the king who would save them. And everything Paul's gone through, it's been worth it to share this news because he knows what will happen if people don't listen. Um, some of you have, would have heard this story before, uh, but I went to India about seven years ago to help run a conference for pastors who were over there. And while we were there, we got news that a pastor who was um, well known by those at the conference, uh, a few towns over, had been dragged out of his bed at night Um, His church, which was also where he lived, had been burnt to the ground. He was beaten to a bloody pulp and he was put in hospital, all for being a Christian, all for telling people about Jesus. And I'll I'll admit, I I was pretty concerned, pretty selfishly and very needlessly for my own welfare. I was very safe there. But I was also concerned for the welfare of those who were at that conference, who were other pastors in India, who were the ones who were truly at risk for being Christians and for telling people about Jesus. I remember talking to one of the pastors and asking what they would do, knowing that this had happened to someone that they knew. And they told me that this is one of the things that, um, that this thing that had happened to this man, it's, it's a common occurrence. It's not just happening to him. And that the other Christians there in India expected this kind of thing to happen. But then he said that it was okay. And why? Because of this hope that Paul writes about. A hope they all had in Jesus. And not one of the pastors there left that conference for fear of their own safety. They all stayed to continue learning from God's word and how they might teach and be witnesses to Jesus. Because they believed that whatever came their way was worth it. They know that this life... And this place isn't their home. Their home is with Jesus, where they will be one day. It's worth it to be a witness to Christ. It's worth it to share the good news that Jesus saves so that others might be saved also. It's worth it. And this, the greatest news that ever existed, we read, is for the ears of everyone everywhere to hear. It's point two this morning. It's for everyone. Um, If you're familiar with the Bible, you know that in the Old Testament, God makes Israel his chosen people. They're a unique nation. And their understanding was that unless you were um, a Jew, meaning nationally uh, a part of Israel, you couldn't be in God's kingdom. But Paul, in verses 24 to 28, makes the point that this is no longer the case. And that because of their hard hearts, they're refusing to hear this good news. The good news of Jesus, that God's kingdom is for all who trust in and follow him. It has nothing to do uh, with where you come from or the color of your skin. It's all to do with whether or not you believe in Jesus and follow him. And, And this is hard news for the Jews to hear. Many of them refuse to listen, we read. And as we read through Acts, Paul has been in synagogue after synagogue after synagogue telling Jews that the kingdom of God is for those who trust in Jesus. That what they've been waiting for for so long, that's finally come to pass. God has sent his promised king to lead his people into God's promised kingdom. God's people not being just a nation 
on earth, but anyone who puts their trust in Jesus. But again and again, the Jews uh, refused to listen. And Paul, having heard them refuse to listen again and again, says this in verse 25. It's on the screen behind me. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, meaning the nations, and they will listen. See, Paul sees the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in the response of the Jews to who Jesus is, that because of their calloused hearts, they refuse to see or listen. Whereas once upon a time, uh, in order to be part of God's people, you needed to be a Jew, you needed to be part of Israel, Paul is saying here that this door in history, it's now closed. In order to become one of God's people, you must follow God's promised King, Jesus. Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus, just like those pastors in India knew, becomes part of God's people. And their citizenship belongs in heaven with Him. They have everlasting life. God's salvation has been sent to the nations. Now, this is not saying that the good news has been cut off from the Jews. That's not at all what Paul is saying, not even in the slightest. Rather, it's an invitation or a challenge for them to respond to the good news of Jesus and to listen. Paul wants them to see that what they are doing, uh, that they are doing what Isaiah the prophet said they would, that they're not listening. And he wants them to stop it, to turn to Jesus so that they might be saved. And as we read in verse 24, good news. Some did listen as they turned and trusted in Jesus. Sharing the gospel is worth it. It's for everyone, for Jew and Gentile to hear. And finally, as the good news of Jesus is proclaimed, as the floodgate is opened for every nation everywhere to receive the good news, we hear Paul say, they will listen. Those are the final words of Paul in the book of Acts. They will listen. See, Paul is convinced that the work of the gospel being proclaimed and followers of Jesus witnessing to others about him is not over. And we read that Paul spends another two years in Rome sharing Jesus with all who would come to him. But it's a pretty weird way to finish the book, isn't it? You you kind of want a little bit more closure, don't you, as the book of Acts ends. Kind of what happens to Paul? But that's the point. The floodgate is open. Acts isn't about Paul, it's about the gospel going out and the work of Jesus continuing. God's salvation has been sent to the nations. And by the end of Acts, the gospel has travelled all the way to Rome and we've read of, of the impact that it's had in the lives of countless people. But remember, Jesus' command in Acts 1 verse 8 is that his witnesses are to go to the ends of the earth to proclaim the good news. And it doesn't stop in Rome. Why? Because it continues today. Jesus continues to save as the Holy Spirit that was promised to his followers continues to work through the gospel as it goes out and as it's heard. To enter hardened hearts. To bring people like us here in this room 
who were once objects of his judgment to be saved. And as we live as his witnesses, the Holy Spirit works through us too, as we share Jesus with those in our lives who don't know him but desperately need to. See, God's purpose is for the gospel to be taken out to the nations, for the gospel to be heard everywhere, all over the world, so that people might be saved. Now, I was so surprised that the person I spoke about at the beginning of this sermon listened. I was surprised, but I shouldn't have been. Because the good news of Jesus continues to save today, just like it did 2,000 years ago. It's worth it to share the gospel. It's good news for everyone to hear, and people will listen and turn to Jesus for salvation. So where does that leave us today? How will we join in as those witnesses of Jesus? It's, uh, it's been really great to hear how many of you have been thinking about spring connections and how you might reconnect with friends who don't know Jesus and grow stronger friendships. It's been something that spurred me on to do this as well as I've heard you talk about ways of uh, inviting friends and family to reconnect in the hopes that they might come to hear and respond to Jesus. I've been reminded afresh throughout this series that it's worth it. That it's worth the awkwardness that might happen in some conversations. It's even worth the potential backlash that might erupt and the split in relationships. It's worth it to share Jesus because we know that people desperately need to know Jesus and listen to the call to repent and believe in him for forgiveness of sins. And as we've been reminded all through Acts, we're not alone as we do this. It's Jesus who works through his news to save We're completely powerless to do anything without him. But we have the best news to share in the world. We're not alone. And we're not alone as we do this because we do this together. We're not those lone soldiers going out on a front line. We do this as a community of witnesses here in Adelaide to the grace of God that's been shown through his son Jesus. So let's pray that God would work through us to save those we seek to share Jesus with. Let's pray that they would be some of those people who will listen and that God's Holy Spirit would be softening their hearts even now to hear him. I'm going to pray that now and then we're going to hear from Mark. We hear in Acts 1 verse 8 the call of Jesus to go and be witnesses to the ends of the earth And we've read in Acts 28 that that floodgate has been opened. The gospel is for the nations to hear. We're going to hear from Mark about how uh, God is at work, not just in our community here, but all across the world to bring people to him. Also hear about what it might look like for us to get on board being witnesses of Jesus to the ends of the earth, knowing along with Paul that as the message of salvation goes out and the Spirit is at work, that it's worth it that it's for everyone to hear, and that people will listen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the message of salvation. Thank you for the good news of Jesus, that we have forgiveness of sin and life in his name. Father, please give us boldness as we seek to share you with those around us who don't know you, but who desperately do. Father, help us rely on you and depend on you as we share Jesus. We pray that you'd be softening hearts to receive the gospel. That our friends and family who don't know you, Lord, that they would turn, repent, and believe in the good news of your Son. 
Help us also think about how we can be involved in your great mission all over the world as the gospel goes out to the ends of the earth. Amen. Well, thank you, Jack, for such a a clear and helpful summary of that passage. Uh, It's worth it, whatever the cost is to us, to share this gospel, that it is for everyone and that they will listen. And thank you, Carl, for the invitation to, in a sense, help apply this with a global mission context as well. We live in a beautiful part of the world, don't we? Clear air and clean water, beautiful bushland to walk in if that's your thing, uh, places to go on holidays, the food to eat. It's pretty good here in SA. I trust you have a comfortable place to live in and sufficient income to live. Of course, we know that the way we live here in Australia is quite unique in the world, don't we? You are aware of this. Not only are we staggeringly rich by global standards, we also have incredible social and political stability in Australia. Normally, when you leave the home, you just you don't have much to be afraid of. Not, a, not everyone in Australia, of course. Uh, wealth doesn't immunise us from the wide range of human problems and heartaches. COVID, of course, has rattled many of us and maybe it's shown us that things are a little bit more brittle than we thought they were. But nevertheless, many of us live in a manner that is really very comfortable, isn't it? And there is much to thank God for. We just need to keep doing that, of course. But perhaps we're even richer in the area of gospel wealth. All our pastors right across the network are trained and experienced, and I mean really very well, deeply trained and well experienced, as are all of our informal leaders. Heck, the average punter in the seats here would be better equipped theologically than the pastors of many churches around the world. In thinking about global mission, quite a few people have asked me recently, given that Australia is now, it's becoming more obvious that we are a post-Christian culture, just with so many people without a clue about Jesus, and that just seems to be getting more and more the case. So aren't we now just as unreached as many other parts of the world? I mean, we can just stay here, can't we? So many Aussies need to hear the gospel. It just seems like such an unusual thing to them. But the answer to the question whether Australia is now unreached is categorically no. In terms of the available resources, nearly anyone in Australia could find out everything they need to know about Christ and become a Christian if they wanted to. There are just so many resources. There are so many different translations of the Bible in English. And even just at the click of the mouse, if they don't want to go face to face. And so many churches they could just drop into and they could just hear the gospel. Now, why don't they? Well, it's a good question, isn't it? And we rack our minds over this. Why don't they? The resources are so incredible here. But think of it this way, if you are a Christian, then every single member of your family 
Every single friend you have, all the neighbours that you know, all the people that you know at work or in a sporting club, any parent that you talk to at drop-off or pick-up, people that you know from the shops or whatever, every single one of those contacts that you have, I don't know how many that is for you, I don't know, maybe there's 50, maybe it's 100. For some of you it might be 500. Every single one of those contacts is only one degree of separation from eternal life through Christ because of their connection with you. Now they may not know the gospel yet and they may not even know that you have eternal life to share with them. But it is within their reach because of their connection with you. Australia is a reached country. In contrast with this, I read recently that there are 3.3 billion people in the world who live in unreached people groups. And that's not talking about the middle category of semi-reached and partially reached and superficially reached, all that kind of stuff. This is the unreached people. That's 42% of the world's population who, as defined by the Joshua Project, lack enough followers of Christ and resources to evangelise their own people. That's how they define unreached, that they lack enough followers of Christ and resources to be able to evangelise their own people. Not only are there no virtually and often no Christians people can talk to culturally, they are multiple degrees of separation away from other people groups that have people they could Christians they could talk to. So, you know, you and I might decide to become missionaries. We head overseas to meet Christians from another culture and to work amongst them. We might spend <clears throat> five to ten years getting to know their language and culture. Still, even then, find ourselves multiple cultural degrees of separation away from the most unreached and least gospel-resourced people group in that country. In some ways, this is a grim picture, isn't it? For quite a few years, I used to lead the singing for CMS's summer conference each January. Um, It's an excellent event to come to. It's on the 21st and 22nd of of January next year. I'm not leading the music anymore. They won't let me. Um, But every year I would choose to sing the song, I Cannot Tell, because of this issue. And I'll I'll read you the first half of verse 3 of that hymn. I cannot tell how he will win the nations, how he will claim his earthly heritage, how satisfy the needs and aspirations of East and West, of sinner and of sage. Is the gospel really for the whole world? Sometimes it doesn't look it, does it? This problem of global evangelization seems to be impossible to solve. It's just so big. And yet, the Bible tells us that around the throne of Christ will be people from every people group. What do you make of that? Maybe our own local evangelism is hard enough. But you do know that the gospel is growing around the world, don't you? Sometimes it looks tiny, but seeds and saplings often do. CMS SANT, we have two mission units in Cambodia in Southeast Asia. After the genocide back in the 1970s under Pol Pot, that was about 50 years ago, at that point Cambodia had about 30 churches perhaps a few hundred Christians. Today, 
there are around 750 churches. That's massive growth, isn't it, when you think about what that looks like over time, that the expansion of all those churches, all that planting, all that evangelizing, and yet 250,000 Christians today is still tiny in comparison with the population of 16 million. It might not look big, but God is at work and it is happening. Growth is there. A similar story could be told in numerous countries and regions of the world, other Southeast Asian countries, other East Asian countries, most South American countries, many African countries, and particularly of late in the Middle East. In fact, some, in some ways, the hardest place to see the growth of the gospel is Western countries. Now, I don't know how long your list of contacts is. Um, I don't know how many of them have yielded fruitful gospel conversations. It's hard, and I'm in this with you as well, trying to do this very same thing to evangelise locally. It seems people don't want to hear this good news, but we must persevere, brothers and sisters, perhaps broaden the people you're trying to reach. Instead of five names on a card, maybe write down all your 50 contacts. Or if you've got 500, just write them all down. And perhaps just start praying for all of them. Just pray through the list and boldly ask God for opportunities to share eternal life with them. But I guess my punchline this morning is this. Don't stop there. Because the mission field is much, much bigger than just our contacts. Our church needs to be involved in global mission as well as local mission. The job that Jesus gave the church was the job of the whole world. It was the job of every nation. He says it in his great commission at the end of Matthew's gospel. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Pretty incredible thing to say about yourself. So you kind of, we need to listen to what's about to happen, what's about to come. And he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That's the church's task. Maybe you have employment. And maybe there are skills that you have in association with that. Chances are there would be a way for you to use your skills overseas whether you're a teacher, in some ways it doesn't matter what you're skilled in teaching, whether you're an administrator, a, a lawyer, an engineer, a health professional, a carer, an entrepreneur, a manager, I could just keep going. If you have the skills, CMS already has about 40 countries that we currently put people into. Come and chat to me sometime. But there are many, many good reasons why people don't go overseas on mission. I want to say this morning that your prayers for mission, your dollars to mission, and your care for those on mission, they are not a poor substitute for mission. They are the church's mission. So maybe Trinity Church Unley doesn't yet have our own missionary or missionaries to send out, but while we're waiting and praying for this, and please do pray for that, we can partner with people who are already on the field. 
Because partnership is mission. And even when you do send a missionary, it will still be through partnership that you do mission. And that goes for individuals as much as it goes for the church as a whole or the leadership team and whatever decisions they might make or Carl. All of us in some way are, can, can be connected in mission through partnership. Paul's challenging final words in Acts were, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. Do we believe it? I'd like to, I'll pray in a moment, but before I do, let me finish with the second half of that verse from I cannot tell, verse 3. The first bit was, I don't know, I can't tell how he will win the nations, but this I know, all flesh shall see his glory. And he shall reap the harvest he has sown. And some glad day his sun shall shine in splendor when he, the saviour of the world, is known. Let's pray. Our Lord, we come before you in prayer now as the God of mission. Uh, The God who sent your son on mission and the God who sent your spirit on mission. And by the power of that spirit, you sent your apostles on mission and the authority of your son, you sent the apostles on mission. And under that same authority and that same power, you send us on mission. And Father, we acknowledge to you that this is often just too big for us to know what to do about. And we pray that you would help us to see a tangible thing for us now, for us as a church for us as a household, for us as individuals. Show us that tangible step towards mission partnership, mission involvement uh, in other countries. Please show us who you want us to pray for, who you want us to care for, who you want us to give for. And Lord, help us to be part of that. Father, we pray that your spirit would work through our local evangelism and we pray that your spirit would work through our global evangelism. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.